the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. That is exactly what it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining. Ten o'clock. Thank you so very much for joining us on this Tuesday, the fifteenth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. Congressman Jim Jordan continuing to speak out about the shadow impeachment inquiry, and I think that's the best way to describe it. It's not being done transparently; it's being done in the shadows, which is, of course, a huge break from precedent in anything having to do with anything like this in American presidential history. We're not supposed to talk about the substance of anything said in the room, not supposed to characterize the testimony in any way. That's just the rules. And unfortunately, they're not going to follow them, but we feel like we have to if those are the rules. We'd like the parliamentarian, as as Lee said, to give us a ruling on how this whole thing is supposed to work. We don't know that. Um, Like I said, Mr. Schiff was was even trying to say that minority couldn't ask questions for the full length of time. The back and forth that goes hour each side. Uh, which is just ridiculous, but that just shows you how ridiculous this entire process is. It is indeed as ridiculous as that. Joining us now to analyze this and much, much more, including Hunter Biden breaking his silence, is our friend Peter Kirstenau. Peter Kirstenau is a Cleveland attorney. He's a best-selling author. He is a highly sought-after speaker. He is also the host of the Kirstenau Report you hear on AM 1420, The Answer, as well as being a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Peter, good morning. How are you, sir? Um, I'm feeling dangerous. I'm not sure about Baker, but I'm feeling dangerous. Hey, it's only 125 days to the first spring <laughs> training appearance. I don't have a date for pitchers and catchers. I'm presuming it's about three or four days prior to that. So uh, good news is on the way. I, I also, without being unnecessarily or unduly harsh about the Cleveland Browns, we are turning the corner with respect to the strength of schedule. I mean, we went through a pretty brutal, you know, four, five, six weeks, and we've got one more to go. And then after that, 
You know, if the Browns can get their act together, we've got the best running back in football. I still believe in Baker Mayfield. We've got phenomenal talent out there. I mean, we really have talent. Um, I'm not so sure that it's replicated on the sidelines, but, uh, you know, I'm willing to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm still an optimist when it comes to the Browns. Well, that is good to know that you are, because uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people, myself included, are losing some of that optimism. Let me put it to this way. Uh, this was my weekend of entertainment. The wife and I, on Saturday night, went and saw Joker, and then on Sunday, we watched the Browns game. One was a sad, pathetic tale of clowns getting beaten up and abused and made fun of. The other was a movie. So, uh, just, just that's where I am with it, Pete. Uh, the, <laughs> that's, that's the best I can do. All right. Uh, let's dive in here, Peter. I just played for you a little clip from uh, Jim Jordan as kind of a table setter for us to, to discuss this, uh, shadow impeachment uh, inquiry. She still has not taken a vote. She won't take a vote. We all know why. She's afraid of the damage that could do to her at risk, uh, members who have to run for reelection in purple districts or in flat out red districts or red states anyway. Um, if they have to cast a yes vote for impeachment, um, or at least an impeachment inquiry, without any uh, facts that would support such a vote. Um, so because she has not held that vote, she also is able to deny, she being Speaker Pelosi, deny people like Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows and Matt Gates and others the opportunity to call witness things. So it is all being done under the in the dark of night or in the shadows of the basement of the Capitol building. And Pete, the only thing that comes out is what the chair, Adam Shifty Schiff, um, uh, it chooses to leak. And, and always that is going to be the most damning stuff that they can come up with absent context because the Republicans aren't allowed to say a word. That was a great summary. Look, um, impeachment is arguably the most profound, at least it's the most profound legislative mechanism in the Constitution. Or that is the mechanism that the, is invested in the legislature. What we're talking about here is removing the duly elected president of the United States, the most powerful man on earth, reversing the will of the people. And this is being done on the cheap. And it's being done for stark political purposes, partisan purposes. What strikes me, uh, Bob, about this is, among other things, is the just complete debasement of the media that permits itself to be used in the fashion. Now, that's not quite right. They're not permitting themselves to be used. They are active participants in this charade. If you or I or any of your listening audience, Bob, had been lied to repeatedly, as was the media and the rest of the American people by Adam Schiff during the entire two and a half years of the Russia hoax. He repeatedly said, I have seen substantial evidence of Russian collusion with Trump. Remember, this was the ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee. He was leading people to assume that in that position, he was privy to information that he couldn't disclose to others, but that he had seen secret information that showed collusion between the two. And he repeatedly would set himself up outside of the hearing room, surround himself with members of the media, and repeatedly said this. Two and a half years of this, and he kept saying, I can't say any more than that. We have to wait until Robert Mueller issues his report, but I am sure you're going to see substantial evidence, as I have, of uh, Russian collusion with the Trump campaign, with interference in the election and the willful participation by Trump and the Trump campaign in, frankly, 
upsetting the election that would otherwise have gone to Hillary Clinton. He repeatedly said that, and then it turns out to be completely false. No one goes back to him and asks, where's that evidence that you said you saw, but apparently Mueller missed completely. No one had ever done that. Then a few scant months later, here he comes out again with another ridiculous assertion ridiculous assertion that I think all of us, after the performance of the last two and a half years, would have completely dismissed anyway, and makes more false statements, demonstrably false. We've seen that they're false. They've, they asked him, did you have any contact with the whistleblower? He says, no, 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 we'd like to, but we didn't, and makes other blatantly false statements. In fact, in front of everybody, pretends to be reading from some kind of undisclosed transcript of the telephone conversation between Trump and the Ukrainian president, and the media, again, never asks him about these things, never says, why should we believe you? Under any other circumstances, any reasonable person, maybe not the media, but any reasonable person would simply say, look, you you cried wolf too many times, you're a liar, I'm not going to go to you for any kind of information. I don't believe anything you have to say, show cause why you should be believed, believed under any circumstances. And now we're going through this totalitarian charade. People should be, I'm not going to say what people should be. I know I am concerned and have been for a long time, but this is even more evidence that if we go down this path and go down to a path that ends up with Democrats in power, we should be afraid, very afraid, and that's not an exaggeration. We have seen what they are willing to do to get power. We've seen it over the last three years. We're seeing them pervert the intent of the founders and the framers with respect to this process. There are no explicit provisions in the Constitution regarding the management of impeachment. It doesn't say this is the manner in which the House must act, this is the manner in which the Senate must act, other than impeachment originates in the House and the trial is in the Senate. Okay? And then the House can set up rules, but there is in, uh, embedded within the Constitution a fundamental understanding that, and, and especially for a procedure this profound, that the fundamental notions of due process, the right to confront an accuser, all of those things are natural components of the impeachment process, which the Democrats in this case have completely thrown overboard. They're conducting a star chamber, doing it all in secret, so they can pick and choose what they leak to their allies in the media, which consists of almost all the media. And the media has shown that they have absolutely no integrity when it comes to these things. They will simply repeat lies. They will, they will not report things that are fundamentally true, that have been proven to be true. They continue to go to a proven liar for his take on things. They constantly call other people who have been telling the truth throughout, liars, this is an extraordinary position we're, we're being in today. And, and what, what bothers, I think, a lot of us, Bob, is that once you cross this Rubicon, once you've done these kinds of things, it's difficult to put, and I'm going to use I'm gonna mix metaphors all over the place here, it's difficult to put genie back into the bottle. If Democrats think that this is a one-off, they're, they're really mistaken. This is the kind of thing that once you have broken the glass on this, it's going to occur again and again, and it's going to erode other protections that we take for granted. So this is, this is big time. That's the danger. And, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, that's yeah, dangerous. Really is. This is just the first domino, and and uh, and a lot of others are going to fall uh, as a result of that, Pete. Um, let me uh, let me. I want to pivot to Hunter Biden because he has broken his silence and done an interview with a well, if you can call it that, uh, a bit of a softball as expected. He didn't do a press conference. He did a one-on-one, and I'm sure had to approve questions. But uh, I want to I want to pivot to that. Let me take our time out now, Pete, so we can come back and give you full opportunity to analyze and uh, discuss what Hunter Biden had to say in defense of his father and his own business dealings in Ukraine and. China. That part of our conversation with Peter Kirsten now continues next on AM 1420 The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420 The Answer. All right, it is 1024 now. We continue with Peter Kirsten now discussing impeachment inquiry, the uh, phony, shadowy impeachment inquiry against the President of the United States over his alleged uh, pressuring of Ukraine to uh, look into a political opponent or face uh, the loss of uh, aid, military aid from the United States. It's garbage, it's bogus, but what isn't garbage, what isn't bogus is Joe Biden potentially the president's opponent in the 2020 election, who on camera bragged about doing exactly that, threatening to withhold $1.2 billion of military aid to Ukraine if they did not fire the prosecutor who was looking into the company, Burisma Holdings, that employed his son as a board member. Hunter Biden finally, after weeks of this nonsense, speaking out in an interview, answering questions on ABC. There's been a, a, a lot of misinformation about me, not about my dad. Nobody buys that, but it buys this idea that I was unqualified to be on the board. What were your qualifications to be on the board of Burisma? Well, I was vice chairman of the board of Amtrak for five years. I was the chairman of the board of the UN World Food Program. I was a lawyer for Boyce Schiller Flexner, one of the most prestigious law firms in the world. You didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine itself, though. Uh, no, but I think that I had as much knowledge as anybody else that was on the board, if not more. <laughs> Peter, a guy who doesn't speak Ukrainian or Russian, a guy who doesn't uh, have any experience in Ukraine, a guy who doesn't have any experience with natural gas, just said he had as much, if not more, experience with those things than any Ukrainian sitting on this Ukrainian company's board. Um, and I'm going to play one more piece for you here because uh, I think this will be uh, very important to your comment. In the list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice Of course, president. yeah. No, I, I, what role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the Vice President of the United States. You were paid $50,000 a month for your position? Look, I'm a private citizen. One thing that I don't have to do is sit here and open my kimono as it relates to how much money I make or make or did or didn't. But it's all been reported. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. Why? Especially when your last name is the same last name as the sitting, not the past, but the sitting vice president of the United States, Pete. And if that doesn't just scream conflict of interest, if that doesn't scream buying influence in the Obama White House, nothing does. Go ahead. There are seven billion people in the world. And we're led to believe that somehow of those 7 billion, Burisma chose Biden because of qualifications. 
This is the nuttiest thing in the world. The fact that we're even entertaining this shows how far we've descended into the rabbit hole. Um, Hunter Biden is, at best, a marginally talented individual based on everything we've seen. I don't mean to be disparaging him, uh, but he doesn't strike me as somebody who stands out. You know, um, I have been in the past somebody who has interviewed judicial candidates for the federal judgeship. I've, I've gone through a lot of different things where I see extraordinarily impressive individuals. Um, and Hunter Biden, again, I don't know him, and I didn't interview him. I see what he has said. I've seen what his credentials are on paper. And um, this is a stretch, Bob. I'm being as charitable as I can. I think everybody knows that. Bottom line well, here take it, is... Well, take it to the next level, though, Pete, because, you know, everything you're saying is right, and obviously everything he just said, he almost admitted it. He said, yeah, if I wasn't Biden, I wasn't getting that job. I wasn't getting a lot of the things that I get, and my name isn't Biden. And again, it, and that's fine if we're talking about past vice president, past senator, blah, 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 Joe Biden. But when this happens as he's sitting in the office of the vice president, right. now the question isn't about, well, did he, did he get a favor and get his son a job? Did Joe, Joe Biden get a do a favor by helping his son get a job because remember joe biden was indeed the point man and was 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 articulating and 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 expressing and supporting and enforcing american policy in ukraine at the time um it's it's did was this a quid pro quo was this we'll hire your son you do us some favors uh and then hunter you kind of uh, keep your eyes and ears open what's going on in there so that we can use it to exploit perhaps uh the country of ukraine to our benefit the the real question here is the legality as it pertains to joe from what I understand, and I've not done a deep dive with respect to the governing law on this, but people that I respect have emailed me and I've read things that have said that based on what we know right now, and there's a lot more that we can learn, it doesn't appear as uh, what Hunter Biden did is unlawful. Now, it's improper and there's more to be uncovered. I know this, that in the various positions I've held with the federal government, I have got to fill out a million forms that would disclose potential conflicts of interest. I've got to believe that some of those laws somehow skirt past, touch upon some of the interactions between Biden and Ukraine. At least I would hope so, because the things I could have affected in my positions are infinitesimally less important than what could happen with respect to Ukraine. So even if it's not directly unlawful, it is improper, and it gives the appearance of impropriety, and it's surely corrupt. We shouldn't be tolerating this kind of stuff. We shouldn't even be entertaining this kind of nuttiness about this. It is pretty clear what went on here. But, but I would suggest, more importantly, what's going on here is twofold. I believe that there's an, this is an attempt, and I think a lot of other belie- people believe this, is the entire impeachment inquiry is a furious, scared out of their wits attempt on the part of Democrats to deflect from evidence that will come out very shortly, by the way, because by the end of this week, we're going to be getting the report um, on FISA abuse and other things from the inspector general. I think that we are going to see a lot of wrongdoing on the part of Democrats, and they want to throw up as much smoke as possible to deflect from their complicity in the greatest political scandal in American history. I think that that is what's going on here. And part of this is the the scandal touches upon everything that the Democrats accuse Trump and Republicans of. 
they are guilty of. Uh, you know, it's a matter Transference, of projection. We've yeah, talked about pr- this, projection yeah, and we've talked about yeah. this for a long, long time. And so when you hear that stuff, I always my ears always perk when I hear Democrats say, well, the, the Republicans are guilty of A, B, and C, because you can bet that's precisely what they're up to. And I think that there's going to be a rollout of several reports that are going to show just extraordinary corruption on the part yeah. of the Hillary Clintons of the world and all their minions, including... Biden and his son and others. So this is, I think, again, I think impeachment, I think the Russia probe, all those things were designed to deflect from what they were doing. Peter Kirsten, now laying it out is exactly correct. Pete, I'm going to pivot to China after the time out here when we have our news, but not the China Hunter Biden story, rather the China LeBron James story. I know you're going to enjoy this. Peter Kirsten now continues with this after this. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, rolling on, i got one final segment left with Peter Kersenow, Cleveland attorney, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Pete, this is LeBron James finally speaking out on the NBA's China problem. Oh, hold on a second. Apologies. We are not all the way connected. Let's do this one more time. Here we go. LeBron, what did you want to say about free speech? This freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech. But at times, there are ramifications for the negative that can happen. Um when you're not thinking about others and only on you only thinking about yourself so um i don't believe um i don't want to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh feud with daryl um but daryl uh Moray, but i believe he wasn't educated on, on on the situation at hand and um and he spoke and uh, so many people uh could have been harmed um, not only financially but physically emotionally spiritually so LeBron James says, uh, as you just heard, that we have freedom of speech, but there are consequences for that speech. And Daryl Morey, who tweeted a very simple uh, two-line uh, message, quote, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. He wasn't educated on the situation. LeBron James, of course, is educated on China, particularly as it pertains to the fact that he makes millions and millions and millions of dollars selling Nike shoes that are made by children in Chinese sweatshops. Peter Kirchner, your response. Yeah, well, you know what? LeBron James is right. It is actually the case that there are ramifications for when you speak. There's no doubt about it, and especially if you're in the private sector. You don't have a First Amendment right to say anything you want to, regardless of the harm that occurs to your company, to your employer. Um, the problem with LeBron James, however, is he has absolutely no problem speaking out whenever it comes to woke politics. He has spoken out with respect to the flag, Kaepernick, Donald Trump. But when it comes to the most repressive regime, at least the most repressive, dangerous regime in terms of their power and the threat that they pose to the rest of the world, all of a sudden he is just, you know, the, 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 a lamb in the, in the wilderness here. It's like everything with respect to China is something that we've got to be very, very careful about, you know, and um, Mori wasn't properly educated. He was miseducated. I don't think he was miseducated at all. He understood the repression that was going on in Hong Kong, by the way, they're all holding American flags up there as opposed to Colin Kaepernick's and uh, or LeBron James buddy uh, Colin Kaepernick. LeBron James is, uh, you know, he's a great basketball player. And as a political commentator, 
He's a great basketball player. This is an individual. <laughs> this is pathetic. I, you know, I'm a LeBron James fan when it comes to basketball, but it stops right there. The fact that this guy pur- purports to be a spokesperson beyond anything else, and he's not a dummy. Okay, uh, but in terms of being miseducated, LeBron James is uneducated. He knows nothing. Stick to basketball, LeBron. As I think it was. Um, uh, Laura Ingram wrote the book, say, you know, just shut up and sing. Well, shut up and play basketball. That's shut up and dribble was her follow-up to that. Yeah, shut up and dribble. Yeah, uh, exactly it, right. It's, it's, it's really pathetic. It's, um, you've got these. This is a big deal. It's not a little deal. It's a big deal what's going on in China right now because China is the biggest threat to the United States of America. And as far as the NBA is concerned, they can trash American values all they want, knowing there are absolutely no repercussions and don't have the self-awareness to wonder why it is that there are no repercussions to them in the United States of America, whereas they couldn't do it in China. But they happily take the lucre from that repressive regime and will chastise members of their own organization for doing the same. Again, you've got the right uh, as as the NBA or NBA owners to discipline somebody like Daryl Morey. There's no doubt about that because it hurts their bottom line. You've got the right to do that. But then you have to ask yourself, is this in the grand scheme of things, in that in the order of priorities, the way we should be approaching this, is there something more important than getting that extra dollar? And in this case, where the NBA, simply by showing up in China, gets themselves a billion dollars, I think they may want to pull back a little bit and say, what's more important to our values? And what are our values? Well, they'll never do that. They'll, they'll never do that, Pete, because their values are money. That's it. First, second, third, and last. Their values are revenue. They know how much money they make selling basketball in this, uh, uh, in, in, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Republic of China. Listen, they, they have what? 1.2, 1.4, 1.5 billion people in that country. They are not going to sacrifice their foothold in that market. And moreover, they're not going to make their sneakers here, uh, because the, um, uh, the profit margin for LeBron James is going to shrink. They have to continue to make them at slave labor wages in China. That's the only experience LeBron James has in China, by the way, is the fact that he can sell shoes at $250 a pair when they're made for about $1.99 in labor in China because of the repressive, as you point out, Chinese um, regime and, uh, and, and, and what they do to their people. How can we continue to watch, support, root for, cheer, our favorite NBA teams, knowing that Adam Silver will not speak out against that uh, that government, knowing that James Harden, the, the uh, star player for Daryl Morey's team where they started, and LeBron James, still the face of the NBA in this late stage of his career, when all of them are refusing to acknowledge the human rights violations, they will scream about American government missteps, especially if they feel like they're Donald Trump's fault, the moment they happen as social justice warriors, but they are dead silent when it comes to what is being done to the people of Hong Kong and the people, quite frankly, in mainland China. The next time NBA players go to China, instead of staying at luxury hotels, being feted, being, you know, just lionized, they may want to ask, just ask, if they could go to the concentration camps for millions and millions of Chinese citizens. They may want to ask if they can go to the medical facilities 
where the organs of dissidents are harvested for sale abroad. They may want to go to a whole number of places where the Chinese military is in the process of taking over leadership in the world militarily. That is their aim, because they want to create a Chinese hegemony over the world, and it's not going to be a you know morning in America when that happens. It's going to be a dark day for the world. This is a dangerous regime. They kill people. They imprison people. They starve people. They harvest organs of people. And LeBron James, all he sees is the money that flows into his bank account, and so he's willing to make peace with, first of all, I believe he's ignorant about all those things, but to the extent he's aware of all those things, he's willing to make peace and then excoriate his own country that has given him the freedom, freedom to say stupid things. It's a great place we're in. We can say all manner of stupid things. We can, uh, you know, criticize our employers even if we want to do so. But LeBron James, for him, it's more important that he gets that last couple million dollars, apparently, than it is to really stand up for freedom, for the principles of the United States of America. And I wish he could just take the moment to refrain from criticizing his own country and maybe right. take that time to do a little reading, a little historical reading, maybe even take a peek at the Constitution and the Federalist Papers. I'm at the point, Pete, where I'm, you know... I've got a job, uh, and I, and I, and it involves me watching professional sports. It involves me watching the NFL despite some of the things that bother me. It involves me watching the NBA as well. So I can't really just completely disassociate myself from this, but I'm at the point where if I'm just an average fan, I'm not watching. I'm not going to give them my ratings. I'm not going to give them my dollars at the turnstiles or at the, uh, at the concession stands or in the team shops. Um, knowing where this money is going and knowing what these people are doing. They are so quick to be woke about things in the United States and refuse to simply acknowledge Daryl Morey's right. Stand for freedom. Stand with Hong Kong. These people are being oppressed. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Instead, they all continue to do it the LeBron James way. And, Pete, I'm to the point where, I, I, would, I kid you not, I was glad when he left the second time he skirted town and left uh, the Cavaliers franchise in the lurch uh, to be the worst team uh, uh, in basketball. He did it twice now. I was glad that he left, to be honest with you, because it was hard for me to cheer for the Cleveland on the front, knowing that one of the names on the back was James. And uh, I will tell you this, if he wanted to come back right now, uh, in my opinion, he would not be welcome. Yeah, you know, I've been a big LeBron fan, but uh, I'm done. Um, And I've been done for a lot of uh, reasons related to sports. You know, when the Kaepernick kneeling thing occurred, uh, remember the stadiums were half filled and of course there was the apparently there was an edict i don't know if there was but it, it seems as if if there wasn't an edict they were following a pattern of not showing the empty stadiums but what's extraordinary to me i didn't go to games that year by the way uh i, I know i got a lot of opportunities from friends who are on the browns and things of that nature to go to games and i said no i can't go uh, i simply can't go and i was not making an affirmative statement they had simply alienated me i didn't even want to see right. these folks um But what's interesting to me, Bob, I don't know if you've seen this, and I'd like to see some data on this because I haven't been able to find any, but if you watched a couple of weeks ago, I I was watching the Steelers against uh, Baltimore. What was interesting was, you know, I kept seeing yellow in the stadium. And I presume that was, you know, people wearing jerseys, but then someone made the mistake of zooming in a little too closely on the stadium. It was extraordinary. It's the first time I've ever seen a Pittsburgh Steelers stadium that empty. There were 
thousands of empty seats. And I think what's happened, Bob, I'm not sure of this, but I, I then try to look at some other stadiums, and I still saw tons and tons of empty seats. I think it's a holdover from what happened a couple of years ago. I think people are still alienated from the NFL. I think the same will happen with the NBA to some extent. Um, but you can't keep trashing the United States of America, the greatest country in the history of the world. And that's what they're doing when you kneel. That's what you're doing yeah. when you, know, you, you trash the flag. And then at the same time, you refuse to say anything negative and you chastise those who do about one of the most repressive regimes in the history of the world, um, you know, it takes away from the enjoyment of the game. You can't disassociate their actions from, uh, from their, their playing on the field. So, frankly, you know, I, if I, you know, the, 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 the Cavs aren't going to be all that great this year, so I'm not going to be missing anything, but uh, I've been watching less and less of the NBA anyway because of some of the antics of some of these folks. And because, frankly, the game to me is not as much fun as it was back in the day when it wasn't just playing alley-oop. Uh, when there's a little bit more strategy involved. But uh, nonetheless, I think a lot of sports have harmed themselves. The money is so big that maybe they can lose a couple million dollars here and there. But over the long haul, I don't think, well, I think it's just bad for society in general when you've got all these multimillionaires and billionaires trashing the very country that made their wealth possible. Peter Kersenow, very well said. By the way, as far as those empty seats in the NFL stadiums, I think you're right in probably 90% of the cases, but in the Pittsburgh one, I don't know if I would give them that much credit. I think that day you watched they were doing a free deodorant giveaway, and uh, the fans, well, you know how that's going to go in Pittsburgh. So uh, they uh, they uh, they stayed home from that. By the way, Bob, I, it occurs to me, I've heard a promo from Hugh saying that he was coming to Cleveland on November 21st to finally set straight the whole Baker Mayfield-Sam Darnold controversy. <laughs> and I think today you may want to start to accept what he lost to you about <laughs> that you are in favor of Sam Darnold. No, I'm just kidding. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be great. Uh, we'll find out. But yeah, Darnold returning from mono led the uh, Jets to a win over the Cowboys. Yep. And uh, suddenly it looks like uh, the same day that uh, Baker's throwing three picks. Uh, so yeah, uh, we, we may have to re, uh, uh, renegotiate <laughs> that a little bit. Uh, Peter, thanks, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. You got it. That's Peter Kersenow. It's 1049, the uh, Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Before we take a break, I want to remind you once again about Heartbeat International. We are partnering with this fantastic organization in one interest and one interest only, saving babies' lives. Heartbeat International is the first network of pro-life pregnancy resource centers in the United States, and it's the largest in the world since 1971 all over the world. They, uh, there are now 2,700 affiliate locations on all six inhabited continents. They provide alternatives to abortion. There are over 1,500 of these locations in, in the United States alone. Who do they serve? What are they there for? Well, let me tell you that. Let's explain that to you by way of a personal story. Up in a home without a dad due to his addictions to methamphetamine and crack cocaine. And um, he spent my whole life in and out of prison. So the last thing that I wanted to do was bring a baby into the same broken situation that I grew up in. I was a fatherless mess. So after um, crying and, and thinking about it, I decided that I would have an abortion. My boyfriend had the 400 and something dollars it takes to pay for an abortion, and he was going to send me to the same place he sent his last girlfriend for her two abortions, Planned Parenthood. I 
um, told my mom that I was going to have the abortion and my mom was at a meeting and she was talking about my situation and how she didn't want me to make the wrong decision. And after the meeting, a man came up to her, slid her a piece of paper and said, take your daughter here. That is how I ended up at CareNet Pregnancy Center. When I walked through the doors of CareNet, I literally felt like I was hovered under a cloud of shame. I was embarrassed at who I was, the fact that I was going to have an abortion, and everything that my life had become. They took me into a room where I met with my counselor. She went over with me the stages of life after conception, and for the very first time I learned when the heart starts beating, when the limbs start growing, and um, that did, you know, change it a little bit, but it still wasn't enough to change my mind. She then went over with me a pamphlet that's called Before You Decide, and it goes over the abortion procedures in the first trimester and the second trimester, and she really thoroughly went through all of my options with me. Then she also um, started talking to me about her life. She told me that she had been in a similar situation as I was and that she had made some of the mistakes that I made. But she kept her baby and she gave her life to the Lord and he blessed her. And she had a hope and a joy that I was drawn to. And immediately my situation was filled with light and hope. And I knew from the moment of standing up from that meeting with her that I was going to keep my baby no matter what. I knew that God loved me and had a plan for my life and my babies. We are now married today with three beautiful children. We have given our life over to the Lord and He has just blessed us tremendously. The women from CareNet didn't leave me after I chose life. They have mentored me. They have taught me how to be a good mom, how to be a godly mom, how to be a good wife, and how to make Jesus the center of it all. I cannot thank um, the work of pregnancy centers enough. Presley is seven years old. She is a dancer. She's so full of life, and um, she strives to get A's on all of her um, all of her work. She's just an amazing little girl, and she has something to tell you. I'm excited for the plans that God has for my life. Thank you for helping care. <laughs> And little Presley would not be alive right now if it weren't for that pregnancy center that was uh, uh, so uh, such a such a, an incredible assistance to uh, to uh, uh, this this girl uh, you know this young woman who is in such a dire situation and there are so many you know this millions of young women in similar circumstances everybody has their own story but at the end of the day it's do you kill your baby or do you give your baby an opportunity to become what Presley has become. Kaylee's child. Uh, and that's where Option Line comes in. Option Line is the telephone service of Heartbeat International. This is the number women call when they are looking for some way uh, out of the uh, option of abortion. They're looking for another choice, another alternative uh, to find a way to not have to take their baby's life before it is even born. We are trying to help fund the option line. And right now at our website, whkradio.com, please click that banner and donate. Your donation of $75 will allow that call center to take calls from people like uh, that young woman for one hour. $150 of a donation allows for two hours a day. $450, four hours, $900 for a half day, and of course $1,800 sponsors a full day of calls to the Heartbeat International Option Line to send women to places to save their babies' lives. Will you join us? 
help us save babies' lives. Go to whkradio.com. Click the option line, ba- option line banner at the top of the page. Make a donation and save a life. And we'll be right back. Bob France, here on AM 1420. The Answer. All right, 1057, as we have a very, very short final segment this morning, rather than trying to expound upon one of our uh, myriad of topics that we have been discussing, I want to make you aware of the website, whkradio.com, and the banner that is now there for Culture Warrior of the Year. We have a finalist list now. We have six finalists for Culture Warrior of the Year. You've been hearing us talk about this over the course of the last month or so. Over 500 nominees came in. And the Salem Editorial Board for Culture Warrior of the Year has whittled down that number to six finalists. I want you to go to the website, whkradio.com, click the banner for Culture Warrior of the Year, and cast your vote. We need more culture warriors in this country, not less. And uh, uh, recognizing them in such a way we think is very, very important here at Salem. The finalists. As determined by the Salem Editorial Board after careful re- careful review rather of over 500 nominations, Candace Owens, Alan Sears, the leader of Alliance Defending Freedom for more than 20 years, Gary Sinise, the actor, Abby Johnson, was a former uh, manager of Planned Parenthood, then turned uh, pro-life activist, Franklin Graham, Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA. They are the finalists. I'll tell you more about them tomorrow. And you can read more about them by going to the website right now. Go to whkradio.com and cast your vote for Culture Warrior of the Year. Vote and Voting ends on October 31st. That's going to do it. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up next. We'll see you Wednesday on the Bob France Authority. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.